Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, 314 or 36-7900-1800-925-1120. Questions, comments, or concerns? And Mr. Kelly. Yes, sir. Wow, I see you have a mask with you today. I do. How come? Uh, just in case. Oh, okay. If we can't socially distance, which we are right now. Yes, you guys are far are enough away. Thank goodness. Yes, 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 yes. And, you know, that's why I quit showering. That makes sure... That people stay six feet away. Yeah. So in addition, I, I, I uh, yeah, but I see, they're too you. close then. Yeah. See? So yeah, yeah, I have my my blues mask here. Oh, so I oh, yeah. it's blues. It's the blues. I couldn't tell what it was. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So just in case, got to be careful. Got to stop this thing. I want, I want a lot of things to return to normal, <laughs> and until we take care of this, they won't. <laughs> Do you think they ever will? No. I think I'm. I really. I think it'll be next spring before. We get to any sense of normalcy, and then it'll take a while. People have gotten used to these different things, and it'll take a while. I mean, you know, it's funny now. You watch a show, right. and you see crowds, and your first thought is, ooh, that's too close. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's going to take a while to get back, but I, it's going to be a while, right. you know, because there's just, it's, it's getting worse. You know? And it's like, come on, people. Let's let's just do it. Right. Really? <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. And until we do, we're we're all in trouble. So. That's an absolutely amazing insanity. That's a good <laughs> phrase for it. Amazing insanity. I like that. So, uh, well, thanks. Let's talk about brighter things like flowers. Yes. yes. Why not? All right. <laughs> How's your garden? <laughs> Beautiful. And it's so cool because it changes every day. The sunflowers are, have gone nuts now. We've got one that's about 10 feet tall. Woo. Yeah. Perfect. It, I call it the king. There's a queen that's about nine and a half. I'm thinking it may take over. Uh, it might. We've got different. we got one that's a really a bright yellow. I've never seen one like that. We've got some of those like burnt orange ones. Right. And different, you know, innards, different. I would, I mean, it just, it's awesome. It's so cool. And you've grown these from seed, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Perfect. So, yeah, it's really neat. All right. All right, folks, Saturday morning we get together and we have a discussion about what's impacting your garden, your backyard, your front yard, your side yards. How about that specialty garden space, that whimsical garden like Mr. Kelly and his wife Sue has? Can I, can I throw something in here real quick? Certainly. I hate to interrupt, but I'm going to anyway. You mentioned whimsical. So we had somebody come over uh, to the house the other day to spray for bugs. 
And he said, our garden, he asked, have you ever been to the Venice Cafe? Because our garden reminded him of the Venice Cafe. Is there anything more whimsical (laughs) in St. Louis than the Venice Cafe? I think not. (laughs) Sue was so proud. Oh, that's exactly what I'm shooting for. So, yes. So, there you go. All right. So, uh, how about improving your soil? Uh, One thing, Tracy and I were out the the other day and, uh, you know, strip mall type thing. And they had done some pruning recently on burning bush. They were very, very sunburnt as a result of that. And then further down and by some other stores, there was some boxwood that had been pruned, and they got sunburnt as well. So just watch out with this pruning and shearing this time of year. Also, bugs and diseases and storm damage. I'm going to be talking about that a little bit later. But uh, using information that I'll share with you makes your decisions hopefully uh Stronger, better, or you just go, that guy is full of it, and I'm going to do what I want to, and blah, 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 blah. So this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your car, home, or wherever you happen to be listening. Another important player in the game is Alex. Alex is producing, so when you call, he will be answering the phone. He just needs your first name and where you're calling from. I'm Mike Miller, by the way, hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And uh, if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a landscape consultation, well, I will, and I call that a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. So let's get moving. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Twain, 1982, Weathering Steel. You know what I'm talking about? Well, at Market and 11th, just east of the Civil Courts building. Ah, and if you look a little bit further to the east, Arch, there it is way down there, 11 blocks away, I guess. And uh, interesting, it wasn't that, you know, that early, but the streetlights were still on. Uh, neatly mowed lawn and uh, wow, spiced by Dutch white clover. And uh, near Chestnut, a row of granite cobblestones, probably which were once, at one time, road surfacing. Now they're edgers. And guess what? There's rentable scooters there, sitting and waiting. A trio of sycamores transitioned to several oaks. And some of the oaks are underplanted with many varieties. It's surprising how many of hostas, and some of them are blooming. Daylilies, well, they're kind of already finished. I'll tell you, though, these oak trees, they're dropping the acorns already. So it is going to be prolific as far as if you've got ground cover underneath your oak trees, you are going to have an explosion of oaks. There's no getting around it. And uh, guess what? Then there's a grove of maples next. And there's a full bed of daylilies, and those daylilies are headed to sleep. There's more sycamores and oaks as well. And then when you go inside the Twain, which I didn't realize that was actually the name of it. I always called it the Sarah Sculpture. But uh, a close look at the steel reveals streaks of color coming cascading down on the steel. And, I mean, it's rusted color looking, but you can see rainbows of colors. It's really kind of, I guess I never looked at it that close before or, you know, whatever. And then on the south side, sycamores, maples, hostas, daylilies, cobblestones, and along with some more oaks, robins were hopping and scurrying all over the place looking for food. Squirrels were bouncing. 
surface roots of some of these trees, unbelievable. And uh, they reach outward from the tree trunks. There's an orange safety cone laying down among the hostas. I guess he's trying to turn himself from a plastic traffic cone into a hosta. But anyway, morning breeze really was quite nice. For the early morning runners and dog walkers, a sign reminds all the dog walkers, please pick up after your dog does you know what. Looking to the east, the clouds were really low. I was surprised. And uh, they were skimming the skyline and made it really look very, very interesting. Oh, and also don't forget when you come down and check out the Twain 1982 uh, to check out the Lenten roses. Those are those perennials that are evergreen that bloom in February. So there's a lot of those in that bed space as well. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As I look out the window to the uh, towards the Soldiers' Memorial, and the flags are just moving a little bit, but the trees in the park between the Soldiers' Memorial and the Public Library headquarters are bouncing nicely. So let's head over to Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Good morning, Mike. I have a question about bee balm. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot of different varieties. Mine are red, and they're really beautiful. Um, my question is, do they regenerate? Do they spread? Uh, because there's something that grows under them that kind of looks like it, and I can never tell if it's bee balm but, uh, or if it's a weed. Do they <laughs> regenerate like that? Yeah, they will colonize. So, in other words, uh, let's say you put in a six-pack or, you know, three one-gallon pots, then, you know, they'll colonize and just make a bigger, 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 and bigger group. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, and bee balm, one thing, they're great looking. They're still pretty good looking. But as the season goes on, the foliage is really going to start getting funky looking. It's going to get powdery mildew, basically, mm-hmm. sort of white look to it. And there's really not too much you can do about it. Just kind of So do you just cut it down close to the ground or what? Well, you can do that or just leave it alone. It's not going to make much difference what you do because next year when it starts regenerating and coming up out of the ground, it's not going to have that problem until later in the season. Right. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. And folks that don't know bee balm, it's Monarda is the botanical name of the genus. Let's go over to Barb's yard now. Hi, Barb. Morning, Mike. Hi. Good question, uh, as usual. Uh, I bought four garden flocks the, the last week. Can I successfully set those out now, or should I try keeping them in the pot? Uh, you could probably try it if you want to. You bought four? Yes. Probably what I would do is I'd put maybe two in the ground, and you've already got the soil prepared and everything else and in the right location, sunwise and everything, and then yeah. leave two of them in the pot and just kind of in case something happens one way or the other. I'm going to experiment like uh, you do uh, is the, is the uh, answer, huh? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, okay. My, my squash and my zucchini are flowered fine for about two weeks, but they're not setting fruit. Is that what happened? Well, I don't know. I mean, every, there's been several callers that have had that same kind of problem, so I don't know exactly what's going on in that particular okay. situation. So you're keeping you them have- every, evenly moist and everything, right? 
Trying to. Yeah, so uh, that's okay. about all you can do. You're doing everything, you can, and if they look healthy, that's about all you can do as far as why they're not, you know, they're not getting pollinated. You know, the pollination, mm-hmm. some is wind pollinated, some is insect pollinated, but uh, why it's not setting fruit or, or fru- you know, vegetables. Yeah, yeah. Okay. One. All right, thank you. Certainly. And now let's head to Oakville and go into Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Uh, yes, I got a couple questions. Uh, my front lawn this spring looked beautiful and everything, and now it is barely green. It's all burnt up. Can I? I fertilized, but did I fertilize too much? I wonder. You could have definitely. Okay. So now, and it all depends on. It's not just fertilizing. Fertilizing. There's all kinds of different types of fertilizer. So, you know, what the numbers were and all that of the main uh, three. 12, 12, 12. Oh, well, that's, you know, that's not the most ideal lawn-type fertilizer. Triple 12 was developed for agricultural products. Oh. And so, consequently, it's not the most ideal thing. But, uh, yeah, it's not. And what kind of lawn do you have, actually? Uh, fescue. Oh, so, I mean, the heat and everything else is playing a part of it. And, yeah. the, fer- and the fertilizing can be just kind of... Accentuating the bad look of it. Okay, when I re- when I reseed this fall, just use uh, uh, starter fertilizer and nothing else. Right. When you put the seed down, put a seed starter type fertilizer, and then you know read the label. And probably thirty days or forty five days later, you could do you know a fall feeding too. Okay. And in the backyard, I've got a grass that's it's light green, it's clump. And the blades are real wide, almost a quarter of an inch wide. Do you have any idea where that could be? All right. Is it really flat growing? Yeah. It's probably, uh, uh, let's see, let me think. Uh, It could be a crabgrass type thing. Oh, okay. So So in other words, when you dig it up, it just has a single root that goes down from the center. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably a crabgrass. So that's an annual, you know, warm season weed type thing. Yeah, okay. All right, that's probably it. All right, thanks. Certainly, my pleasure. And now let's go to St. Charles and see what's going on with D. Hi, D. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I have two questions this morning. Are hydrangeas blossoms all over town have turned green instead of white? Well, just as they age, but no, not historically. That's not what you know. Why are yours doing that? Oh yes, all over the place. They have just nothing but uh, the blossoms have all turned like a lime green. Yeah, that's you know that's just an aging factor. So at one time, and it may have been a short period of time, they were white, but then they you know as they mature, age or whatever, then that's when they go to the green. Yeah, they they were white. When they started blooming. Right. Then they just went to green. Right. Uh, so my hydrangeas are over with? As far as bloom-wise, yes. Yeah. Unless like, you yeah. have some of the you know, repeat, repeat bloomers or forever types or all that other stuff. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, I have a, a hackberry trees on the property, and the roots are either coming up out of the ground or the ground is... Uh, fading away from them. What what do I do with these roots? Basically, you know, you're, there's really nothing you can do because just as the, let's say the diameter of the roots increase, 
you know, they can they'll bloat and get bigger, so that makes them look, you know, or brings them up to more visibly to the surface. They were just right below the surface anyway. So your option is to you know, create a bed around it and put in you know ground covers, which you don't want to do necessarily this time of year, or put mulch around it. Oh, what sort of mulch? It's up to you. I mean, just any kind of mulch that has been composted. Don't use you know fresh chips where an, um, utilities come in and cut a lot of stuff off power lines and say, well, we can give you these things free. Don't use that kind of stuff. So these... So these roots will grow bigger? Uh, potentially. Oh. I mean, they're going to... And there is an impact where you're going to get some erosion away around the roots as well. So, But when I was walking around the Sarah sculpture, the Twain, you wouldn't believe how many surface roots there are with these trees that are down there. I mean, it's un, un, uh, unthinkable. But that's oh. just... Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way it is. Relation in relationship to the tree roots. Tree roots are always near the surface, but when we got our normally, let's say, clay soils, it just makes it more exaggerated. Oh, okay. Oh, well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, surface roots, there's really not too much you can do. You just kind of have to live with it or don't look at them or cosmetically hide them with a ground cover or with mulch. But is, there's nothing wrong with just letting them go. No. I mean, basically, you're not going to get any lawn to grow underneath the trees anyway. So you're just going to, you know, look at the roots, and it's, they're not that horrible. No, no, they're no, they're they're not. It's just you can't cut around them. So no, you just yeah. okay. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. Bye-bye. And let's go to Saint from Saint Charles to Florissant into Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi there. Um, wondering what you would recommend for fungus in the lawn, possibly brown spot. Uh, basically, just you know, I would just head to your favorite garden center and just see what you know what product they have. And uh, there's lots of different. Every company has its own fungicides, so one specific one I don't think is any better than another. Right. Right. My lawn service does not treat it because they don't feel that there's really a product that takes care of it. (laughs) They would do a preventative in the spring application. but um, That's the best time to go after any kind of fungus, whether it's fungus, let's say, on crabapple trees, cedar apple rust, or on your lawn, or anything else, is before you actually start seeing it. Or, you know, the sort of the fungus that grows on peony, foliage so once you once the season's going and you start to go <gasps> because it's right. getting more dramatic then it's almost too late because i mean you can treat it but basically what you're doing is you're, you're just arresting it at that point you're not you know you're not erasing it or doing anything else well i'm definitely leaning toward their recommendation of of doing nothing they said it it may um you know, I guess kind of green up again come September. Right. Um, Okay. And to clean like mower blades to maybe help in, you know, not having it spread, what would I use? Just like uh, one part uh, bleach, nine parts water, and just wipe, you know, 
dip you know like a paper towel or something into that and just wipe the mower blades and then oh okay and ideally okay. you'd wipe the whole underside of the mower but uh that might be a little bit too extreme okay well thank you very much sure my pleasure i appreciate it yep 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 back after these messages Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And we're headed over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Yeah, I had a guy spray the side of my house off the other day. And uh, I don't know what exactly he used, but usually he rinses the trees off. And uh, one of the Japanese maples... The side next to the foundation, all the leaves are falling off of it. Ooh. Would that will that kill the tree? Well, it's not good because you, know, you get a, <laughs> a let's say a major let's say drop of foliage because the leaves are what make food. So yeah. in other words, there's not enough. You know, there's not making food to keep it as same size as it was or anything else. It may recover, it may be fine, but that's not a really good situation. Okay. Uh, I also have a uh, knockout rose, and all the the leaves, like down low, say the bottom half of it, mm-hmm. are all dead looking. Probably because it's the roundish. The green. Yeah, it's uh-huh. probably roundish, and it's just sloughing off those leaves. If the over, if the other, the top, let's say the top half still looks good, vibrant, and everything else, then you should be fine. Okay. Well, that's what I needed to find out. Thank yeah. you very much. Certainly. My pleasure. Bye. Yeah. Anytime anything happens where any kind of, let's say, deciduous or evergreen, you know, tree or shrub loses a major quantity of the foliage, then that's not a good sign because, you know, nutrients and, you know, and water come up from the, uh, the roots through the root system and go to the leaves and then use the sun. To make food, and when there's less leaves, then it could be iffy. Let's see, where should we go now? Uh, Let's go to Hazelwood and into Patchard. Hi, Pat. Oh, good morning, Mike. Thank you for taking my um, problem here. (laughs) Uh, Years ago, I had planted uh, two coleus whenever I had had trees in my yard, in the front yard. Mm Mm-hmm in the landscaping area. So when the trees were there, I had shade. I I planted two different coleus, and um, the trees had to be removed. Now, the coleus are a, a big mess. They want shade, and it's not there. So I don't know what to do with them. Um, one of them is like uh, 40 inches across, and the other one is 22 inches across, so they're pretty big. And I, and what what can I do not to – well, I don't know. If I don't want to save them, it would not be a problem. But if even if I did have them dug up, would leftover roots come back? Well, it's, it's tough to say. You know, and generally coleus are not, you know, they don't come back. They're usually just considered annual. So the fact that you are coming back is really phenomenal in many ways. So we're talking coleus, you know, the herbaceous type plant material that has very colorful leaves, all kinds of different, all maroon or this or that or other things. Is that the plant we're talking about? 
No, I think I've got the wrong name here. It's they're just big leaves. They're the um, heart-shaped leaves, hmm. um, and they don't really have flowers until later. But they're no, nothing that you would uh, cut and put into the uh, in a vase. So it's not a hosta. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's a hosta. Yeah, because the coleus is an annual. So oh, the fact okay. that you had your coleus coming back and it was huge and everything else, I was like, whoa, you got to document that. But yeah. anyway, yeah, the hosta, I mean, they're pretty tough and durable. You could have them, you know, if you're going to dig them up, I'd probably just leave them where they are right now. Let them just, let's say, fry or bake during the summertime. And then when September rolls around, have them dug up or you can dig them up at that time and move them to a shady location. So are the roots pretty deep that they would come back from uh, even after they were pulled out? Uh, well, the roots are not, I mean, they're not real deep. I mean, it's a perennial type plant. So if you dug down like four or probably six inches and go all the way around where the stems are coming up out of the ground, a couple inches beyond where the stems are, you, you're going to get, you know, the majority of the root system. And the, the crown of the hosta is really tough and durable. So, it doesn't necessarily need all the roots by any means. If you get a, just the majority of the roots, that's fine. When you do dig them or have somebody dig them, make sure the day or two, a couple of days before they're really well watered. So that way that, that'll keep the soil attached to the root systems, you know, when they are, you know, dug up. Yeah, because they're really, they're, um, they're just yellow and suffering out there. Right. No, they don't like sun at all. So it's kind of like uh, anybody that, let's say, has pale skin and they take their shirt off and go out in the summertime, they're going to get sunburnt, and that's exactly what has happened. Yes, yes, that's it. Okay, I'll thank you very much, and have a nice day. Well, you do the very same thing. Yeah, so in other words, just leave them alone. You know, if you don't want to look at them, just don't look at them. And then have moved in the fall when the weather is better. Let's see. Suzanne, how are you today? Yes, good morning. Hi. Uh, hi. I, I mostly have a comment about my hydrangeas that I have in my yard. Mm-hmm. That they came from uh, hydrangeas that were blooming in my grandfather's yard Ooh. 70 years ago Ooh. in southern Illinois. Uh, my mother at that time loved gardening and loved flowers, and my grandfather gave her some of the, a plant or two of those hydrangeas, which she then always planted in her yard wherever they lived. And when I married, she wanted me to have a plant, which I have, and I've divided it through the years so that I would have more than one just in case. Right. And I just wanted to share that comment. I thought it was interesting that I... That it that they would be originally from the from plants that long ago. Right now, when they, do these yeah. when do these varieties bloom? Are they spring bloomers or summer bloomers? Spring. Okay. They're, well, they're blooming right now. Oh, really? So they're also yes, and they're just wonderful. And then the uh, the question then that might could be related to this, that is related to this is that on each of the plants, uh, they tend they've always tended to be various colored flowers on the same plant. They're mostly pink, and then they range to a pale lavender to purple, and now there's a little bit of bluish on uh, a couple of the flowers. Right. 
Okay, so is what causes all the different colors on a plant? Basically, it's the nutrient level. If you I wanted see. them to be all blue, then you go to your favorite garden center and get like aluminum sulfate. Okay. And that would, you know, change the chemistry of the soil or the uptake of the micronutrients and then that would change the color. So, this okay. is that's some really old-time ones. Yes, and I'm just thrilled with them, and they're very—they mean a lot to me. And right. I just wanted to share that—that that how how long they've been here and how where they came from. That so sounds thank you. great. Yes, thanks thank for you so sharing, much. Mike Miller, K M West Garden Hotline. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on K M O X, and we're headed to Rory's yard. Hi, Rory. Yeah. Hi. Good morning. Hi. I have two questions. So I've got a zoysia yard, and I wanted to take plugs out of it. I bought a, a plugger, and the second time I stomped on it, I fell forward, bent in half, and almost fell on my face. Ooh. So I decided, yeah, I decided it was a caddyshack moment. So I decided to get my shovel out, and I cut, oh, four-inch round plugs out mm-hmm. and put them in an area where I wanted the zoysia to start taking over. Will that be okay? Uh, you just did it recently? I did it to that, yes. Uh, and you, you had the soil prepared and everything in the area that you moved it to? I bought compost and uh, topsoil. Okay. Mixed and, it. Well, and it should work fine. Just, you know, you're going to gonna have, even though you got a root system and everything else, the spot that you took it from, now you're going to have to backfill that area. Hopefully you're going to do that. With oh, I already, yeah, I did it, I did it right away with the... Uh, uh, compost, okay. topsoil mixture. And then the new plugs, you're going to just have to make sure that they don't go through any kind of drought stress. But, yeah, you should you should be okay. Okay, second question. I have a walnut tree that I'm going to call them silkworms or bagworms. There's like hundreds, thousands of them hanging off the end of a limb in its own web. I was, I've been able to cut the limbs off, uh, but now I have two that are just so far up there. Any ideas? Uh, ba- you might be. Uh, how high up is this? 30 feet. Oh, there's not too much you can do. You know, tree service would have to come out, but uh, you're just going to have to kind of live with it. Gotcha. All right. Thank you, sir. Yep. Sorry. I wish I had a magic, you know, but if it was a little bit lower, I would say try to shoot a, you know, a stream of water up and knock them, you know, knock them loose. But, uh, that high up, you're not going to have anything that can shoot water that high. So good luck with that. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a wild world this year with weeds and some of the insect situations. Yeah, let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Yeah, Bill, I got a whole bunch of uh, uh, bamboo, and it's been dying. It looks like it's all dried up, and it's getting enough water. And does bamboo have a, a dormant season? It does, but it's winter time. Mm. So why? <laughs> so is this like the the big tall bamboo, like the golden groove bamboo? No, it's the other one. Oh, so it's like a clump. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the dorm, again, it's just going to be dormant during the winter time. So the fact that it's dying, you, you maybe cut back on the moisture, you know, with the watering and stuff like that. But uh, it's just, you know, I mean, that's a t- and it's not And it's not only mine, it's my neighbor's also. Really? Yeah, my son has some also, and uh, it's all over the place. They're, they're all brown, you know. 
Wow. So it must be, you know, that particular variety, which I don't, you know, I can't think of specifically which, you know, what variety that is. But it may be just environmentally related if that many different places, you know, are having the same thing occur. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, and and how would you, this is the first time it's ever done it. I mean, it's always been green, you know, and, and I've never seen it all like this, you know, brown, you know. Right. And. And my neighbor's blocks away, and theirs are the same, you know. So any any of the canes that, you know, the foliage is t- totally brown on them, you can cut those off if you want to. And there's hope, just, in the hope the root system's still viable, and then we'll put out some new shoots, you know, if, even if it's just next year. Yeah, you know, those those uh, the roots, they, they're, they're all over the place. You can't hardly kill them, you know. Right, exactly. And, and that's and that's how they grow. But the the thing that's got me puzzled is that I've never seen them. I mean, I had them for years. I've never seen them dormant or brown like this. You right. Know? So it has to be related to the nutty weather that we've had. Uh, it could be, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> should should I cut them down now? Or yeah, if you, or I mean, if if they if the canes that are coming up, all the foliage is brown. You might as well cut them off. Yeah, they are. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, appreciate it, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hello, Bill. Oop. Bill couldn't make it. I guess he was maybe having some coffee. And uh, Joseph, if you could do it really quickly. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, zoysia grass. I've got a three by seven area just rotted out. I want to plug that, but nobody has any zoysia grass for sale. Can I just chop out uh, chunks and put it in there? How far apart would it have to be? Uh, it depends upon how fast you want it to fill in. But if you put them six inches apart, then it's going to take two to three years to infill. So if you put them, you know, further apart than that, then it's, you're just adding the time to get the, you know, a whole fill. Or what you can do is just wait because they will have some sod a little bit later, rather than trying. Oh, really? To, yeah, it's not like Zoys' season's over. Okay, I've tried Edwardsville, I've tried Wood River, I've tried Godfrey. Nobody's got any around, so right, you so, say they will have some later. Yeah, it just means probably the sod farms are not cutting because it's so hot and dry. So oh, that's rip. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what the circumstance is. So they're not harvesting to send it to the garden centers. But, I mean, we still got some, hopefully it's going to be, you know, a situation where they can get out there in the fields and do some, you know, cutting of it. But uh, that's, okay. so you should, I would hold off rather than trying to take some plugs out of my own. Outstanding. What about water grass? What can I do about it? It's starting to, it looks like it's starting to pop through again. What, yeah. what, what can we do about that? Basically get the you know, sedge, sedge ender or nutgrass killer or whatever it happens to be. Okay. Okay. So, hey, great show. Yeah. I mean, go to the garden center and tell them you got nutgrass or nut sedge, and they'll give you a product. So that's going to be. Yep. Thank you, Joseph. And uh, that's going to do it for this uh, hour. So if you do have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Ah, it's really, really, really warm. So make sure, even though we're, st- you know, you may have some rain, and there was a pop up storm that happened the other day, and at the airport they said an inch and a half of rain. Well, that may be the case, but uh, hmm. 
Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, uh, what is this? This is the tip of the trowel hour, of course. I'll be giving that shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And one lady called in and said, well, if there's not uh, fescue, no, not Zoiza available, she's ordered some from Amazon. Whoa! Zoiza from Amazon? That sounds totally wild and crazy. But anyway, Mr. Kelly, before you take off. Yes. Now, obviously, you're very much into the gardening. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's only been within really kind of the last year or maybe last two Last couple years. years we've really worked, yeah. and this year, prior, big time. Yeah. But prior to that, how were you spending all that time that it takes to do the gardening? Uh, mowing the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. much more rewarding. <laughs> it is, and what's nice about it, you know, you get out in the in the spring when the weather's nice, you're in the mood to be outside. I love being outside in the nice weather. Right. And now that it's too hot to go out, you're basically in just watering stage. Right. You know? And you just so, get to enjoy it. Yeah. Like you said this morning when you were leaving, you turn on your headlights and whoa. Yeah, I walk out the back door and we've got like, uh, it looks like a beer garden out there. We've got the lights over the top. Oh, And so I go out the back door, I hit the button so I can see where I'm going, and it's like this wall of sunflowers right in front of me. Perfect. And it's beautiful. And then I was saying, too, how the hummingbirds, I've got one feeder in the middle of the the sunflowers, and to watch them wind their way through and pick their way through is really very entertaining. So, yeah, it's it's wonderful, just wonderful. Great. Well, I'm glad you enjoy it. And we depend on your expertise. Who listens every week? So so you deserve some credit. (laughs) Sure. No, really. Well, great. Well, thanks. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We're here to discuss plant selection, cares for, ups and downs and all arounds of your annuals, your bulbs, Oh, man, I'll tell you, in my neighborhood, you know, I walk twice a day early in the morning and then after I have lunch, the elephant ears are absolutely spectacular this year as far as size-wise and how many people are growing elephant ears. And uh, so it's kind of fun to see. They're one of my favorites, uh, let's say, summertime bulbs. Your edibles, your ground covers, your house plants, your lawns. Perennials, roses, tree shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but is offered for you to consider. Across the big board, uh, in way uh, probably six feet away, is Alex. So we don't want to get too close to each other. <laughs> but anyway, he's the one who answers the phone and pushes all the buttons and answers the phone, so he just needs your first name and where you're calling from. During the week, I spend time doing landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, uh, you can go to www.mikemillerdesigns.com. The homepage is where my email address and phone number are listed. And I'll share, come to your home, share 40-plus years of experience. How can I be that old? Gee, this is crazy. But anyway, how it relates to plant care up and down on plant selections and designs, tips, things like that. I'm no longer doing formal designs, but uh, I can do a quick sketch or just make some recommendations. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. It's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Not only the folks probably at St. Louis Composting wearing the mask, but all the people at garden centers. In this heat, having to wear the mask, 
while they're outside, you know, taking plant material off trucks or bringing things because, you know, you've ordered something and you're you're just going to pick it up or whatever it happens to be. So a tip of the trowel in this extreme heat goes out to all the people, anyone who's working outdoors and having to wear a mask. It's just like unbelievable from my perspective. And also a special tip of the trial goes out to Ryan Schulte. Ryan Schulte is the engineer for all five radio stations here. And I, he does incredible beyond just the engineering part. I mean, can you imagine? It's just, there used to be, let's say, multiple people doing it. Now he's doing it all plus other things as well. So Ryan Schulte, he at one time was uh, when I would do remote broadcast. He was the guy there doing the remote, doing the producing of the remote production. So he's done. He's worked his way through the entire company, and now he is the head engineer and the only engineer. Whoa! So Ryan, thank you very much for all the work that you do, and I know you do considerable amounts. So all the garden centers or all the workers outside with the mask on. And Ryan Schulte, get the tip of the trowel today. So why don't we take a couple calls before we take a break? Let's go over to Kent's yard. Hi, Kent. How are you? Hi, this is Ted. Oh, Ted. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Um, Good morning. I have a tree question. Um, We planted a uh, pin oak in the front of our yard when we moved into the subdivision about 20 years ago, and it's majestic. That's not my problem. About five years ago, I planted two other trees out between the curb line and the sidewalk. Um, I believe they are uh, sugar maple or some type of maple. So they're five years old. Um, The one's on the one end of the property. It's doing fine. And the one that's straight out from the pin oak is having issues. You know, it it don't green up. It looks almost like it's it's going into the fall. Is that a problem because it's fighting for the root system with that pin oak, which is about 20 feet away, or is it just uh, ironic that it's looking bad? It may be a bad tree. Well, it could be a bad tree, but more than likely it's the setting. So, in other words, it's not exactly great to have street trees. That's horrible for trees just in general. But uh, Uh, it probably is some competition with the the pin oak's uh, root system. So do you think I should... You think it'll never look good, or you think I could uh, put some spike fertilizer in there? Or? Uh, probably not fertilizer. Probably what I would do is just I would get a soil test done and find out what that's what's in that soil there. It may be okay. a super high pH. There may be other factors as well. And find out before you just start throwing fertilizer down what you really need to do. It may be who knows what. It could be just, right, right. So get a soil test done and start from that standpoint. Okay, I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mike. How are you again? Good. I I have a question, naturally, but my grandfather used to have a white rose. Are you still there? Yes, as far as I know. Okay. My grandfather, who lives in, lived near Terre Haute, had a white rose that came out in little stems, about a three-foot area, and you couldn't put your finger in there, and it always came out around Memorial Day. They were white. Do you have any idea? I know it was an old-fashioned one. It had to be for for him. Right. Do you have any idea what that might have been? Which variety it was? 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I really don't. But what you could do is you could contact the Rose Society here through the Missouri Botanical Garden okay. and see if, you know, somebody that's, let's say, an expert on historic roses, which the people in roses and all the plant societies are always really very, let's say, in tune with what their yeah. you know expertise is, I'd probably go that way. These were these weren't uh, giant uh, traditional roses. They just kind of came up through the ground and about four inches high with a flower on top of them. Right, but there was a whole bunch together. So yeah, I mean there are miniature roses, and even they've been around for quite a long time. But uh, so. That would be my guess. Would be a type of, but specifically what it you know would be. Yeah, I would no. say again, go through the Rose Society. Okay, thank you very much, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And Mike Miller K in Wash Garden Hotline back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, let's head over to Bonnie's yard. Hi, Bonnie. How are you? Good morning. I am calling back in reference to the gentleman that spoke about his bamboo problem. Mm -hmm. We were in, we actually stayed on the island of Kauai and visited the National Botanical Garden of the Pacific. And one of the presentations dealt with bamboo. He may just plain be at the end of bamboo, bamboo stands life. They told us that bamboo has X number of years that it will live. And when it's done, it's done all over the world, that stand of bamboo will die. Wow. In other words, that's why his bamboo and whoever else has the same stand, they're all dying out at one time. They said they actually did experiments where they took cuttings of bamboo and shipped them to Alaska or shipped them to South America. And when one of those stands died, they all died. You're kidding. It's a phenomenon of bamboo. Gee, that's totally wild and crazy. I've never Isn't heard it? of that. It's amazing what, you know, is available in the print world. So he may <laughs> just be out of luck. It may just be the end of his stand's lifespan. Right. Wow. Thanks for the insight. You're welcome. Enjoy your show. Well, thank, thank you. you. And now let's go over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hello, Mike. Hi. Uh, I got a little tip about the moles, catching the moles. I don't know if you've heard this before, but... It only works if it's if it's a fresh run. Now you take the water hose and once once you go out there and you put it in, have your shovel with you. And I've got five or six of them this year doing that. Turn the water on, and the the mole will come out instead of drowning. He'll climb out somewhere, and you'll get him. Great. Well, good. Yeah, that uh, it don't work on the old runs. You know, I've done that before. I've stood right. out there for ten minutes trying to drown them out, but that don't work. But uh, if you if you catch a fresh run, I even went down the street for my neighbor and got one for her because oh, she called can. me and said she's got one working. So I went down there and got her holes out and he come out. You got to got to be ready though because they'll come out. <laughs> well, great. But it's you know I tried the traps. I, I I do okay, but just not consistent like the holes. But like I said, if it's an old run, you might as well wait till you get a new one. Right. But. Me and my wife listen to your show every week, and we really appreciate it. Well, thanks. I appreciate it, and your insight, too. Yeah, the old runs, the traps don't work on old runs either. So, I mean, this, I mean, fresh runs are definitely the way to get them. So this, yeah, and the, the little boogers, they're, they're like they 
have a time when they want to start working. Sometimes they'll quit for a week or two, and you think they're gone, and then here they come again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they went back and maybe having some babies and stuff like that. I don't doubt that a bit. Thanks a lot, Mike. Sure. Greatly appreciate it. And thanks to you and your wife for listening to the your show, The Garden Hotline. And now let's go to John, and he lives in St. Peter's. Hi, John. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm give you a little history here. I lived in Florissant, which has fantastic dirt. Uh, and I moved out here in St. Peter's, and I've been trying to get the lawn to grow um, for more than a year now. Uh, I've fertilized it. We'd be gone, uh, you know, all the uh, clover and stuff. My biggest, <laughs> excuse me. My biggest problem is my grass always looks brown, uh, and we've watered until you know our water bill is just unbelievable. Uh, I aerated it, and we we keep watering it. Uh, none of our neighbors water, and our grass always looks brown, and theirs is. Nice and green, so I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Uh, I would get a soil test done, as I always say, and find out, you know, why, what's going on on your ground, what's there, what's happening in there, all the chemistry of your soil. Start from that standpoint and go from there. But if you're okay. if you're core aerated and you've you've been there a year, you said, yeah, yeah, and so I mean. It could take a while. Was it your lawn? Was it put in a sod or was it put in a seed? Oh no, it was a mess when we got here. Apparently, oh. the people only mowed it when the city uh, told them to. Oh, okay. So it sometimes was... it was three, four foot tall before it would get cut. Oh, so that's a disaster. So you yeah. probably don't even have any real lawn. Yeah, not not a whole lot. I put uh, about six pounds of uh, grass seed down and and tried to work it in, but. Uh, it just nothing seems to be working. The other thing I, I, I have uh, is my, all my plants that I've been planting, mm-hmm. uh, like zinnias, marigolds, and mums. They're only getting even my zinnias. They're only getting them like a foot tall, uh, and that's and they bloom. But I mean, at, in Florida, heck, they'd be three, four foot tall. And I'm just wondering if I'm not fertilizing right, or if it's just the clay here. It's a clay. And, again, that's why I want you to get a soil test and find out what's going on. You're probably going to have to do some major renovation, you know, of your entire landscape. Wow. Okay. I mean, seriously, the bed spaces and the lawn and all that other stuff. And and adding, you know, some compost to the ground and get you. In other words, your soil is unhealthy. And Uh the people prior to you didn't care because they just let it go and whatever grew, grew, and that was pretty much it. And now you're trying to turn it into more or less a specialty type of landscape, nothing extravagant or anything else, and it's just not not vibrant. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yep. Again, you can take the University of Missouri Extension Service. I think they have an office in St. Charles, so uh, that's where you drop off your soil sample. And now let's go over to Rich's yard. Hi, Rich. Yes. Uh, got a question on Japanese maples. Um, a, I, I assume it's okay to mulch around them. My question is, well, I guess I need to know, A, is it okay to mulch around them? Uh, the other thing is, is there a particular type of mulch to use, or is there any type of mulch with Japanese maples that should be avoided? Uh, basically, just make sure that the mulch is, you know, let's say professionally done and just not something, you know, a tree service drops off into your yard. So, in other words, not fresh chippings or anything like that. 
And uh, just don't make it too deep. So you only want around Japanese maples, regardless. The bigger upright types, like the blood good and stuff like that, it could be maybe up to four inches deep. If it's the umbrella, you know, dissectum varieties, then you only want it one to two inches deep. Okay. I thank you much. Sure. My pleasure. So it doesn't really matter what type. It just makes sure that it's been, let's say, cooked. And you think, well, I didn't know the mulch cooked. Yes, it does. If it's not cooked, then raw wood really does some major problems as far as absorbing moisture and binding up nutrients and everything else as well. Let's see if we can get another call in, and where should we go? Let's go over to Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Um, I'm in Baldwin, ah. and I had a question um, on composting, mm-hmm. um, or not composting, putting down, like, leaf mulch. And I wanted to know, uh, is it too late to do that? I thought I had read or heard somewhere that if you put it down this late, it acts like a, a sort of like a heat blanket and just will fry the roots of your plants. Well, it all depends on what type of plants you're using it on. But as I said in the last hour, uh, if you're going to put some mulch down in a top dressing because you you know you want your yard to look a little bit better because you're having a party or just whatever, always water it right before you put the new mulch down or leaf okay. mulch or whatever you're using. And mulch, is, right, yeah. say, wood mulch is much more heat, let's say, generating than a leaf, let's say, leaf mulch. Okay, yeah, no, I wasn't going to use the wood. I never use the wood. Okay. I always use the leaf, right. the leaf mulch, um, and it. Um, I normally get it down much earlier, but I didn't. And it's, I don't. It's not just a dressing. I I use it to to put the minerals and you know enrich the soil and sure. help uh, re- with the cooling and the um, water retention. So, but I was afraid if I put it down now, it would act like a nice little blanket and just you know bake everything that was underneath it because I have a, a mixture of perennials and annuals, more perennials than annuals. Yeah, it's not ideal to do it now, but uh, just don't do it too deep and uh, then okay. do the major, you know, in the, let's say in September, October, November. Okay. All right. Okay. And enjoy your show so much. I've listened to you for years. Oh, great. And very informative and entertaining. A good combination. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks Have a having, good day. You do the very same thing. And thanks, everybody, for uh, having me on your show. Let's go over to Patrick's yard. Hi, Patrick. Hey, Mike. Hi. How do I get rid of squash bugs? <laughs> uh, I would probably use an insecticidal soap and just go after them that way. That's about the only thing you're going to be able to do. Is there any preventive measures I can use before I uh, plant? No, there really isn't. I mean, there's nothing that seems to be effective. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, that was a short question. <laughs> yes. Very. So, All right, so, thanks a lot, Mike. Yeah, sorry. There's just, I mean, preventing the thing on insects is, you know, very, very hit and miss. Mike Miller, KMYS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. <laughs> Let's head over to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi. Hi. I live in Warrington. Uh, I have a Queen of Hearts hydrangea, a Pride and Joy, that I bought last fall and planted and mulched it in and watered it and tended it. And I was so excited when it bloomed, had six lovely cone-shaped white blooms. 
And last week, my little boy chopped half of it off with his weed eater. Woo. And I was sick about it. And so it's it's alive still, but it's like just half the plan. It's like misshapen. Right. It, do you think that that plan is going to survive or uh, I don't know what to do? Yeah, I just leave it alone. So, you know, aesthetically, it's not, you know, not what you want. But uh, other than that, it should be able to survive. It shouldn't. I mean, it's not ideal, the circumstance. But it's the fact that it's relatively new, it's not really all that well established. So it's not like an age factor or anything else. So, Do you think it'll ever fill back in and look, you know, full and it, round? It may, but it's going to take a considerable amount of time. What you may have to end up doing is getting another one and planted in close proximity to get a, a fuller look on the, the side that this guy chopped out. Oh, okay. So I can plant them close. Yeah. Close together. Okay. Would you say a couple feet away or how far? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, you could. It just depends. If you put them closer together, obviously, you know, as they start, it's, as they mature and get big, then you're going to kind of lose, let's say, half of each one of them. You know, from oh, the standpoint right. of the proximity, so it just depends upon your own per, your per, own particular perspective. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Okay. Bye bye. And now let's go over to Don Jard. Hi, Don. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I've recently moved to South County, and I have this beautiful flat yard, and next door is a sweet gum tree. Ooh. Now. This question isn't about the balls. That'll be for this fall. Right. But apparently this has been a very good year for seedling. There are hundreds of them growing in my yard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's too many to pull by hand, of course. Right. Just by mowing them, will they die? Or is there something else I can put out to control them? Uh, basically, now the ones that are growing, if they don't have, if they still have just one set of leaves, if you mow them, they should not be able to survive that. If they've got two sets of leaves and you cut them off, then they can, can survive that. So if it's just the first set of leaves after the cotyledons, so if uh, you got, like I said, two sets of leaves, mowing them is not going to do a thing as far as getting rid of the majority of them. Okay. And it's, at least it's just within the drip line. I don't think the squirrels move them around too much. No, they don't. They don't really like sweet gum balls. Oh, maybe I should put more of them around the yard because I have <laughs> dozens of those little boogers. <laughs> yeah, there's not really too much to eat there for them. So they only go after stuff that, you know, it really, even if it's just maple squirts, they can get moisture and they can get nutrients off that. You know, obviously acorns and things along that line, any kind of nut. But right. sweet gum balls, nah. And, you know, let's say sycamore balls, no, nah, they skipped all that stuff. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go to Paul's yard. Hi, Paul. Hello. Hi. Uh, good morning. Uh, say, I, I would do my own uh, compost pile every year. I do the leaves and all the garbage and stuff that goes in it. Mm-hmm. wondering, uh, is it okay to use walnut sawdust in it? I know walnut trees are not good for my garden. but Right. Is compost okay? Yeah, probably in a compost pile, as long as it's not a huge percentage, you should be okay. Okay. So it's going to break down. But, yeah, it's mainly the juglins, 
which that's what the uh, root system of the walnut creates and you know produces. That's what keeps a, a heck of a lot of plants from being able to glow, grow in cl- close okay. proximity. What about when I hole the walnut? Could put the holes in it? Uh, they, they're pro- I would probably, they could take a heck of a long time to break down. So you're talking about the outside hulls, so yeah. the green thing, not the actual shell. Oh, not the shell. Yeah, okay. Just... Yeah, that should probably be okay. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go to Florissant and into George's yard. Hi, George. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing? Good. I got a I got a uh, answer for the gentleman that couldn't get his grass to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say move back to Florissant. <laughs> exactly. I'm not being a wise guy because everybody knows Florissant is built on farms and it's a very fertile property. Absolutely. Anyway, it's the uh, looks like the year for the Gagootsies again. Last year it was off, and this year it's going like crazy. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I know, I, I know you think that's funny, but I'm gonna send you a picture of these. Okay. And it's unbelievable. It's, uh, it's crazy, and it's a year for uh, winter hibiscus too. Right. Uh, I'll tell you what, they're beautiful. And, my cousin yeah. gave me one for my birthday last year, and I'll tell you what, it's. The most gorgeous thing ever. I think it might be the Blessed Mother next to it that making it bloom pretty. <laughs> I mean, and the flowers are so huge. I know they're beautiful. Right. It did. It did snap with the wind, though. But anyway. Oh really? Like oh bummer. Oh yeah. You're kidding. So anyway, have a great day, and I uh, just want to uh, have the gentleman come back to Florissant where uh, everything grows. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Mike. Take care. Thank sure. You. Yeah, I think the word fluorescent means valley of the flowers or flower valley or something like that. So it is very, very fertile, and to move to St. Peter's is a separate reality. So let's get another call in and go to Rusty's yard. Hi, Rusty. Hey, Mike. I cut a two-foot diameter hackberry down last year. Stumps about a foot out of the ground. And as you know, they're shallow-rooted. There's a lot of shallow roots. Sure. And there are shoots coming out of all of these roots. Ooh. How do I kill this thing? Uh, basically, you're just going to, as soon as you start to see the suckering off the root system, is just, you know, go out there with your weed eater or your mower and just whack them off. That's about all you Really? Because you're not going to be, I mean, you could auger holes down in there into the trunk, you know, into the stump. And, you know, put, let's say, a killer into there. But it's still going to take a couple years, and there's no guarantee that it's going to actually kill the entire root system. It may kill some of it, but it's not going to necessarily kill it all. What if I spray the shoots with a woody killer roundup? Uh, that's you. Sh- I mean, that'll kill that, and it should absorb it into the roots, but it's not going to kill the, you know, major tree roots are huge, so the the ability of the Roundup, even for killing woody plants, uh, to kill them off, that's going to be a little bit iffy. Okay. I guess it's going to be a couple years then. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, that's too bad. Right. I mean, uh, you know, two-and-a-half-foot diameter tree to have to take it out, that's uh, uh, kind of sad in a way. So It is. It is. But, oh, well, listen, you have a good one. You too. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. 
Yes, folks, we've got a few phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I wonder if Debbie Monterey is actually listening to the show. I know her and her husband, Steve, are very much into plant material and things like that. Well, Debbie, if you aren't listening, guess what? You have a great bouquet of cut flowers on your desk. I'm thinking about stealing it. (laughs) So if you come and you know it's there and all of a sudden it's gone, it's not me that stole it. I just happen to say that I stole it. But, I mean, it has pitcher plants. It has zinnias. It had roses. It has – there's one plant in there that I, I couldn't really recognize what it actually was. But, I mean, a great bouquet. Debbie Monterey certainly deserves it. Let's head now over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hello. Hi. Hi, hi Mike. Um, I'll try to be quick here. I planted three uh, new crepe myrtles. Uh, this spring, mm-hmm. um, and I'm keeping them uh, watered. They seem to like water. I hope. <laughs> and um, I notice something's chewing on the on the upper leaves uh, on the at the top of the plant, not so much at the bottom. Uh, so there's little holes all over the leaves. What do you think I should do about that? Uh, basically, go out early in the morning and look on the underside of the leaf because that's yeah. basically you know any kind of to see if there's any insects there. If you don't see any insects then there's not really too much you can do. The damage has already been done. So, okay. And then if you do see insects, then get a, you know, like insecticidal soap or something along that line and spray it so you hit the whatever type of bug that's doing the chewing directly. Okay. Uh, I have soaker hoses um, that I have put around. This is the second year or for the rising sun red buds. Mm-hmm. I have three of them, um, and uh, I'm using a soaker hose every probably three days, uh, every two or three days, only because it's so hot. Um, it, it, how, how, uh, is that okay to do that around the perimeter at the drip line? And how, about how long do you, how often and how long do you think? Well, red buds really don't like a whole lot of moisture. I mean, they can grow where it's pretty darn dry. So how okay. long have you had them? This is their second year. Uh, Maybe, you know, you're probably doing a little bit too much as far as the watering goes. So I would just go ahead and, you know, take the soaker hoses out and just kind of leave them alone. Oh, okay. (laughs) You know how the the branches, they just kind of, uh, they they look wilted to me. And so that that concerns me. I don't want to lose them. Right. The heat of the, you know, the heat of the day will cause wilting. But if they're not wilted early in the morning, then they should be fine. Okay. So that's with any kind of plant material that you see wilting, that uh, check it in the morning. If it's back up and rigid, then it doesn't need any additional watering. All right. And service berries. February, I planted three service berries. Right. Uh, are are they um, are they? I know they're native to this part of the country. Right. Do they need any special uh, attention, watering, or anything like that? Well, anything that's young, less than a, you know, a year old, if we have extended periods where there's no rain, yes, you probably should do some watering on those. But beyond that, they're pretty tough. Okay. All right. Thank you for your help and for your time. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. I enjoy your program. Thank you. Sure. Let's go to Oakville and to Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a question. I have a chance to get some, a variety of hostas, and I was wondering if this is a good time of the year to do that, and how do you separate them so I can transplant them to my yard? 
Uh, it's not the ideal time because the heat of the summertime can, you know, really kind of set some stuff back. Now, hostas are probably extremely tough, so they could probably handle it. So all you need to do is if you're digging them up and somebody's giving you stuff out of their yard or something along that line, it's just you can chop the root system up. Just make sure there's roots and some of the above ground stems, you know, together. And that way mm-hmm. it should be a successful transplant. Okay, so I'll try that. One other question I have. I had a killed me. I had to have uh, some 70-year-old blue spruces removed in my front yard. Ooh. And they cut them close to the ground and everything, but it looks so bare. So I know there's a time limit you recommend to try to prepare it before I can go with something else that attract birds and to make it look better and everything else. So what what is your recommendation on that? As far as time-wise? Yeah, to do any kind of you know plants. I mean, installation of plant material. I'd wait for at least a couple of years. Okay. What about prepping the ground with compost or digging it up or that? You could certainly do that immediately as soon as you want to. You don't okay. want to necessarily do it in the heat of the summertime, but uh, you know when fall rolls around. And pro- again, what I would do is you know the pH is probably going to be pretty darn acidic. So get a soil test done to find out for sure. That way you'll know what type of plants will do well with the soil pH. Like a lilac wants an alkaline soil, where azaleas and hollies and broadleaf evergreens want an acidic soil. So just keep that in mind. Okay. So they haven't ground the stumps down. They're pretty flat with the ground, but I'm going to have them removed and go a little subterranean there if I can. So I guess that will help somewhat. Not much, uh, though. Oh, really? I mean, that's more cosmetic than anything. Okay. Okay, so time is a factor. Right, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Sure. And Bye. Kathy and Waterloo, could you do it kind of quickly? Um, hibiscus, Mike. Mm-hmm. Two in about an 8 to 10 inch pot. I put the, each pot in an urn, pot and all. Okay. And the one is doing beautiful. Since day one, and I got them way back in April, I guess, May, and I have yellow leaves every morning. I go out, and the flowers are beautiful, but the yellow leaves, 8 to 10 every day. Yeah, that's just sort of the, let's say, that's the way hibiscus are. Oh, I'm not giving them too much water or not enough water. I water every day. Too much water would mean it would be getting yellow all over the place, not just a you know a few every day. Uh huh. So this is just sort of kind of what hibiscus do. Okay, because I'm sure getting a lot of bare stems, and yeah. the one plant is gorgeous, and the other one looks tacky. <laughs> but <laughs> that was just a, you know, unfortunately, one's a little bit healthier than the other. Oh, okay, that's the only problem then. Right. Okay, Mike, thanks so much. Love your program. Well, I thank you for having me on your show. And uh, sorry, Steve, I don't think we're going to be able to get to you today because we're out of time. But uh, I think the Garden Hotline should be around uh, next week. I don't know, though. You can never tell. And, uh, again, thanks to everybody who's out there working in their yard. I mean, there's been some spectacular landscapes just walking and driving around through the metropolitan area because I know how tough it is. And especially with as crazy as our spring was, and then we get this transition to summertime, and all of a sudden things, it's just real tough. So appreciate everybody for taking the effort and time to make their yard look good. And I know you're doing it so you can look out 
of your windows and everything else or enjoy it, you know, sitting around like Brian does with Sue and uh, just enjoy it. And thanks for all the work that you do. Thanks for making St. Louis look as good as it is. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.